Howard and Brother Pixler. So I could just say ditto and leave. And we would feel like we have been amply fed from uh, the Word of God today. <clears throat> I have a reputation of being a long-winded preacher. I don't know how that wicked rumor got started. I'm going to do my best to keep it under two hours today. <laughs> I learned if you set the, the uh, expectation one way, then if you fall short, then people are relieved. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, seriously, I'm going to do my best to be considerate of you. I'm just as hungry as you are. How many of you are hungry? A few honest folks here today. Amen. Just as hungry as you are, I'm going to do my best to quit before I fall in a dead faint. But, um, but we have received a lot to chew on already, and I know you can only put so much in your mouth. So I'm going to do my best to consider that. And what I have to say today certainly won't be that hard to receive, I don't think. Uh, in fact, I feel uh, pretty good right now because uh, it might have been rough, but it's going to be easy now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me just make this comment before I go any further. If there would be any liberal that would try to take Brother Howard's message, and use it against conservative holiness preaching. They're just ignorant. They're just ignorant. I appreciate everything he had to say. But thank you, Brother Dudley and Brother Westberg and all the sponsors of this meeting for inviting me to come again. I was greatly blessed last year by being here and enjoyed the fellowship so much and have talked about this meeting favorably uh, to everyone that I have been able to and uh, I'm so glad for the opportunity to be back here again thank you for the hospitality and the good fellowship and if you will turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezra chapter 1 I will do my best to get on with it here today Ezra chapter 1 looking forward to uh, the other brethren that are going to be speaking yet in this meeting. And good to see uh, many brethren here that I know and love and respect and admire. I salute you in Jesus' name. Ezra chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he might, or that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. 
He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Chapter 2, verse 1, And now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away unto Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one unto his city, which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, uh, Big Bayai, Reum, Bayana. Did pretty good, didn't I? The number of the men of the people of Israel. The children of Parosh, 2,172, and so on. Verse 59. And these were they which went up from Telmila, Tilharsa, Hiram, Adon, and Emer, but they would not, could not show their father's house and their seed, whether they were of Israel, the children of Deliah, the children of Tobiah, the children of Nakoda, 650 and two, and of the children of the priests, the children of Hebaiah, the children of Kaz, the children of Barzillai, I don't know why they didn't have names like Smith and Brown back then, which took a wife of the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and was called after their name. These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore were they, as polluted, put from the priesthood. And the Tershatha said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and with Thummim. Very, very simple message today, nothing profound. You won't have to hear any hidden meanings here today. It's very, very plain, very direct. Let me just speak to you on this subject, a crisis of identity, a crisis of identity. Praise the Lord. Could not show their father's house and their seed, whether they were of Israel. God bless you. If you'll lift your hands with me and ask God to help us in the remainder of this service one more time. Jesus, we come to you, Lord. I feel inadequate, insufficient. I know my limitations today. Oh, God, I can do nothing without you. But I pray that somehow you would impart your divine grace and anointing, mercy today. Help us. Help me to preach and help us to receive what you would have us to hear. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you today. You may be seated. The word identity simply means the distinguishing character or personality of an individual or group. It is a point of sameness and likeness. It is essential for everybody to not only know who we are, but what we are, what we identify with, what we associate with. We feel a need to do that from the time that we're little children. We seek out 
a certain identity with others. That's why peer pressure is so strong. That's why even sometimes young people will get in trouble and do things that they really had no desire to do, but it was what the group was doing. And so they participate because a need for identity sometimes is more powerful than even the uh, than even other motivations and instincts that we might have uh, some of the greatest fears that people have was that they is that they might be somehow disassociated with those with whom they want to be associated and those whose opinion or whatever makes a big difference to them and matters to them so it's a very powerful thing identity uh, is a force that uh, is in every one of our lives. And God places great importance upon identity. Amen. And as we have already heard put so ably today, He wants His people to be unique and set apart and special. Praise the Lord. I knew when Brother Howard started preaching today that uh, there would probably be footprints all over my sermon this morning before I would uh, have a chance to preach, but uh, it's what I feel in my heart, so I'm going to trust God to know what He is doing. Amen. But He wants a people that are special and select and elite and exclusive. When the Bible says that we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a peculiar people, He is not saying that we are weird and odd. That's the world's take on it. But the Bible word peculiar means rare and unique and of great value. I think God's people ought to hold their head up high. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. We don't have anything to be intimidated by. We're not second-class citizens. Praise the Lord. They might call us the outscouring of this world, but thank God I know who I am today. I know what I am, and I'm comfortable with that. Amen. But the principle and doctrine, if you will, of separation that we've already heard about today is one that didn't just start in your generation. It didn't start even with the New Testament apostolic church. It goes way, way back. When God called Abraham out of the land of the Urs and the Chaldees and he made a covenant with him and he sealed that covenant in a peculiar manner by giving him, amen, the seal of circumcision. He was putting a mark on him, amen, that would set him apart from all the other people and the nations of the world. Praise God. And uh, he was very, very intent on keeping it that way. I even read with some uh, perplexity and, and uh, confusion, if you will, if I can admit that to you, amen, where the Bible tells about God outlining His plan to Moses. And then when Moses starts to execute that plan, God met him and sought to kill him because he had not circumcised his sons. I tell you, it means something to God. It matters to God whether you have the identifying seal, the identifying mark or not. Praise God. Amen. And, and it may seem like an unpleasant thing sometimes, but there are times when you will appreciate it very, very much. 
Bible speaks about when uh, Israel was getting, uh, getting ready to get out of Egypt and the angel of death was going to pass through the land. God said, but among the Israelites there won't even be a dog. Amen. Wag his tongue at them because the Lord hath set a difference between the Egyptian and the Israelite. I'm going to tell you something. You might feel inferior today, but when judgment begins to fall on this world, you're going to be so glad you're one God, apostolic, Jesus' name, baptized, Holy Ghost filled. Amen, believer, today. Oh, there are advantages to having this identity. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, when they came out of Egypt, the Bible says in Exodus 19 and 5, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, a kingdom of priests and a holy, a holy nation. And I read where he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he hath sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them, that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Praise the Lord. There's no point in us getting the big head tonight in ourselves. Amen. We are what we are because of what God has made us. I am so thankful for his mercy and grace. I don't belong here by rights. Amen. I shouldn't be here, but I'm so glad he found me. With love he found me, put his arms all around me and he led me in the shelter amen how can i not lift my hands and praise him and worship him today oh come on let's do that right now just a little bit oh hallelujah hallelujah praise god praise god praise god thank you jesus amen praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord amen i don't have I don't have anything new to say to you today. And so I, I just beg your patience and tolerance as I just try to go over some things you've probably heard a hundred times before. But God didn't just tell them they were special and He didn't tell them they were different and separate and peculiar, but He gave them identifying marks so that they would be reminded themselves as well as so the rest of the world would know who they were. I mean, we know about the clothing that they wore. It was unique, and they were not allowed to mix textures and fabrics, amen, because of the principle of separation. They had to wear the ribbon of blue around the border of their garments. I mean, when a Gentile saw an Israelite coming a long ways off, they knew who they were because of the ribbon of blue. I believe it still ought to be that way. They ought to recognize an apostolic from way down the corridor of the mall. Before they ever talk to them, they ought to be able to know there's something different about them. Praise God, they wore the frontlet between their eyes. Every, every step they took, that little thing, amen, bounced back and hit him on the forehead. And it said one thing, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, 
every step they took, everything they did, everything they ate, everything they wore, everything they put on reminded them, you're God's people, you're God's people, you're not your own. Amen. You've been redeemed, you've been delivered, you've been brought out. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God wants you to think about it every moment of every day. Not just when you come to church. He wants you to go to work thinking, I'm God's people. He wants you to go to school thinking, I belong to God. I belong to Him. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know how that He forbade them to mix with other people. Amen. He forbade them to intermarry with other people. He didn't want them to melt or blend or intermingle or combine with anybody else. He wanted them to stay separate and apart. I appreciate what you said, Brother Howard. Amen. That separation is not something we do to be holy, but separation is something we do to protect the holiness that God has given unto us. Amen. They did not have the same interests. They didn't have the same purposes of other people around them. They didn't worship the same gods. They didn't have anything in common with them. Praise the Lord. And so they just went around in their own little group, in their own little cluster. And it might seem mighty exclusive, but I'm telling you, amen, the environment that we're living in is very hostile against a child of God. Thank God for places we can come together and encourage one another and hold up each other's hand. You may not be able to do on the job what you can do here, but I want you to know you're in the right place if you want to leap for joy, you want to shout, you want to holler hallelujah, you're in the right place. Praise God. You can't relate to them when they're talking about, amen, football on Sunday. And they can't relate to you when you come back Monday morning and say, man, we had a good church last night. We just don't have anything in common. But right here, thank God, we can rejoice in the Lord. Amen, this is more your family than some of your blood family. You know that. You get around together with them, they blow smoke in your face, tell dirty jokes. Amen. Run the preachers down. They talk about churches being money hungry. They don't say one thing about the casinos. They don't say one thing about the honky-tonks. They don't say one thing about, amen, Hollywood and the perverts and anybody else. They want to run down the ministry. They want to run down your church. Let me just give you a little secret in case you don't know it. If you could possibly help it, don't ever miss one service. To sit there and hold the hands of any of your ungodly relatives. They don't care about what you care about. They don't worship the God you worship. Come on to church with your real family and get involved in magnifying God. Amen. Talking about conversation starters, I know some conversation stoppers. And then while you're sitting around that table full of them ungodly relatives, just say something like, we had three get the Holy Ghost last week. They'll look at you like you fell out of a tree somewhere. Who cares? Why should we be intimidated? If they can tell us their junk, we can tell them about our God. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I've got to hurry on. I, I can't come go down all these little alleyways today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
But the, the tragedy of this text is that uh, here is a time when Israel has been carried away into bondage because of violating the, violating the very thing that I'm talking about right here. They began to mix and mingle and worship the gods of the other peoples and so on. God sent them prophet after prophet. It made no difference. Amen. There, there was finally a point where God said their wound is incurable. I can't help them. There's only one way to do this. And he just let, amen, uh, uh, Babylon come in there and wipe them out and rubbleize their cities and carry them away captive. And there they were in a strange land. Many of them promptly began, amen, to just immerse themselves in that environment and in that society as well. And they've never been seen or heard from again since. But many years later, God calls a remnant back out to go back to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild what had been thrown down. Amen. And it gives us a very detailed record here of who these people were and, and what families they were from and how many came out. I mean, God was exact about all this. It's all recorded here. It looks like, like unnecessary trivia. But God, I think, is sending a message that he was well acquainted with every person that walked out Every one of the remnant that went back to Jerusalem, he wanted it on record. This one came back, and that one came back, and this other one came back. But the tragedy of it was that in amongst that group, there were several hundred that when they sought their register, could not find the register of their father and of their mother, and consequently, their genealogy was not reckoned among the other Israelites. And by the law given to Moses, amen, they were not then allowed to participate in these religious activities and worship activities that the others were, amen, allowed to participate in. It seems like a harsh judgment, but God wanted to protect the holy seed. It mattered to him. Their genealogies were critical. Usually when folks decide they're going to read the Bible through, amen, they read the first a couple books or so, amen, with no problem. They breeze through those and they think, man, it's going to be easy. Long around Leviticus and so on, when they start getting into the begat this one and begat that one and so on, they just lose interest and that's it. And you wonder why in the world all that is there, but God cares about where you come from, who you are, who your mama is, who your daddy is. And in the Old Testament, it had particular significance because out of that, amen, they needed to be able to trace the lineage from which the Holy Seed would come, from which the Messiah would come. He was very, very careful about not mingling the Holy Seed. And when this several hundred, amen, folks showed up that could not show their genealogy, separate them, put them aside until a priest could arise with human and woman and decide whether they're really of us or not. And I'm going to tell you something, the priest will decide it one way or the other, sooner or later. You wonder about somebody, you just watch them, amen, as they get preached through service after service. They're either going to get in or they're going to get out. They're going to decide they're one of us or they're going to decide they don't belong here. Amen. Later on, when Nehemiah would come to rebuild the wall, amen, God would inspire him to recheck the list again but here these folks were they could not prove their identity so they had an identity crisis an identity crisis is a psychological confusion and maladjustment that arises 
when someone is unable to attain identification because of conflicting uh, demands or pressures. There's another word associated with it uh, that we're not maybe familiar with, but it's the word anome, which means a state in a society or individual in which normal standards of conduct or belief are weak or lacking. All of the United States of America is in an anomie, a condition of weakened, amen, moral standards of conduct and belief. It goes all the way from the highest halls of power on down. Amen. When all of a sudden you've got the activists and, and the, the, the left-wing liberals finding all kinds of ways to justify the behavior and the conduct of the president when it's sick. Amen. You've got a terrible condition in society when his approval rating will hover up around 70% because people don't care anymore. You've got a serious problem in society. Amen. No wonder, no wonder, because folks are confused about everything anymore. They're even confused about their own gender. They don't even know what they are. Amen. I've lost some of you somewhere along the way. Praise the Lord. There's boys that don't under, don't, can't understand their boys and girls that can't accept that they're girls. Society's real convoluted and distorted and confused. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. We're not confused. And God's not confused, and this book isn't confused. If you're a man, you ought to be a man. If you're a woman, you ought to be a woman. And look like a woman. And act like a woman. And if you're a man, you ought to act like a man. Homosexuality might be all right in the United States military, but it ain't okay in an apostolic church because we're not confused about our identity. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. You better say amen when your preacher preaches against homosexuality. It may not be a pleasant subject, but somebody needs to preach against it. They're not doing it in the schools. They're letting them teach your kids. They're not doing it anywhere else. But it's still okay to preach against it in an apostolic pulpit. Amen. Say it's just just a little genetic problem. No, it's not a genetic problem. Amen. It's just because maybe they didn't have a strong father figure in their home. No, let's call it what it is. It's sin. There's a root problem deep down inside. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Amen. And so they're, they're confused from there on. Let me tell you where, where it really, really uh, it, it became uh, an irreversible trend in America. Back in the uh, 40s, especially when the men went off to war and many of the women had to go to work and they worked in factories and they built airplanes and instruments of war and they were required in the uniforms to wear pants. It was not that wholesale of a situation until those years. That's not my interpretation. I've read, amen, psychological reports about all this. And after that, when the men came home, the women stayed working. And they kept on wearing pants. And they began to lose their sense of role and identity. 
women started wanting to become men men started wanting to become women after a while time you get to the 60s you get to the unisex clothing where you couldn't tell the difference hardly from one to the other they all wore the same amen men letting their hair grow long women whacking it off short we'll tell you something this book amen there's a reason why some things are in here why all of it's in here but there's a reason why it's not just something stuck in a dinosauric age somewhere amen i'm gonna tell you something it's still wrong for a woman to wear pants i know i shouldn't have to preach that here but i'm gonna preach it just because it's the trend of our age i'm gonna tell you something else it used to be wrong for women to wear pants in any church in america you didn't have to be pentecostal but now some of the pentecostals are wearing them because somebody has come along with a bright idea, amen, that pants is just something, you know, that was part of the old law and it doesn't fit in the modern scheme of things. Amen. I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said it, it was an abomination for a woman to wear what pertaineth to a man. The word abomination is stronger than hate. It is an abhorrence. The word abomination in virtually every other case in your Bible is used in connection with idolatry. You know how God feels about idolatry? It was an abomination to God. Does anybody believe that idolatry is no longer an abomination? No, because what God ever hated, he still hates. There was never a time when something was an abomination to God, and now it isn't anymore. Well, I thought I was preaching in an apostolic doctrine in a holiness conference. Amen. Everybody ought to be saying amen to what I'm saying right now. I might lose you later on, but you ought to be saying amen right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God hated it then. He still hates it now because it blurs the distinction between the sexes, between the role models. Men and women lose their sense of identity and everything gets twisted and warped and turned upside down. Amen. I know they look at us funny, but it's still right anyway. You can be seated tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we are seeing this uh, identity crisis in the world at large, this anomie, and uh, also, of course, in Pentecost, and that's where it bothers us the most. I mean, I, I go to some meetings, and I look around, and I don't just go to be critical. I really don't. I know some that do, but I don't really go to meetings to be critical. But I, I can't help but look around. I'm not blind. And, and I, I look sometimes at the mixed crowd, that shows up in some conferences and meetings and it makes me wonder where did these folks come from how did they turn up here amen who are these people they don't look right they don't act right they don't talk the same they don't behave the same they don't respond the same when the man of god is preaching they're sitting there with their arms crossed glaring back at him they don't know how to worship they don't know how to get excited about the things of god where did they come from who are these people they're not one of us they seem confused they seem out of place they act like they can't relate they look like they're lost in a fog somewhere oh i feel good in an atmosphere like this amen where everybody feels like worshiping where everybody knows how to say amen to the preaching of the word of god 
Amen. Praise the Lord. I know this is elementary. I know this is simple. And this is basic. Amen. But we better keep preaching it over and over and over again. Because I'm going to tell you something. Amen. The conferences where you can see and hear and feel what you're seeing, hearing, and feeling in this place are few and far between in America today. They don't do this everywhere. I thank God for a good, wholesome, apostolic environment. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Amen. Years ago, there was a case that drew wide national attention. Amen. It was called the case of Baby M. Some of you may remember. She's probably... Uh, a teenager by now seems hard to believe that that many years have passed but uh, baby M was a child that was conceived by artificial insemination because of a couple who could not have children and so they entered into a contract with a woman who agreed to be a surrogate mother and to have uh, this artificial insemination and then conceive and give birth to a child that she would then turn back over, amen, to this childless couple. And of course, once this child began to grow within her, she developed, as you can imagine, that attachment to that child, which was uh, in, in many, many ways a part of her, so that by the time it came time to give birth to her and turn that baby over to the so-called parents, amen, the donor parents, uh, if you can imagine such a phrase, but uh, all kinds of strange phrases are part of our vocabulary anymore. But when it came time, she could not bring herself to do it. And of course, the, the donor parents, they filed charges for breach of contract, etc., etc., and it went to court. And I, I even forget now who ended up with the child. But I thought then, can you imagine how confused that little girl is going to be later on in life? Who is my real mama? Who is my real daddy? The donor or the one that gave me birth? And on and on. That is an identity crisis. And I know we have a lot of that already in this world just by other means. His kids, her kids, their kids, and all of that. And if that is here, amen, because of, of you being in the world, and I'm not, not trying to pick on old scabs, it's just a part of our society. But it's a pretty sad state of affairs. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me, let me just ask you something. Have we gotten so desperate in Pentecost, so desperate in the apostolic movement for revival and growth that we're willing to hire surrogate mothers to bear our babies for us? Amen. Or to teach us how to do it? It's not just important that there be the same father. It's important that there be the same mother. We don't need the Presbyterians and the Methodists teaching us how to have revival. They don't know how, how. They don't have the goods. They don't have the stuff. Come on now. Come on now. Amen. Oh, we've got to go to these seminars and learn how to do it. They may have the science down pat. They may have, amen, all of the facts and figures down. They may have the demographics. They may have all of the statistics down pat. But what they do not have is the power of the Holy Ghost. 
And I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost begins to move, he can shatter every rule in the book. He can alter every normal thing that you can imagine and accomplish what he wants to do. What we need is a move of God. We need a move of the Holy Ghost like we've never had before. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Please bear with me here a little bit. Amen. Down in our area, one popular soul-winning tool, amen, is singings. Man, they have singings. Am I right, brother? I mean, they've got singings everywhere you turn around. Let me just tell you something. I maintain, I maintain that the church, amen, has had an open door, amen, to Satan for a long time. And it's not just television. It is so-called gospel music. Everybody else is telling it like it is. I believe I will too. Kind of a reckless spirit up here this morning. Amen. Yeah, you want to go hear your favorite gospel artist sing and you sit there while they make fun of Pentecost, while they ridicule your apostolic holiness and standards and dress and make fun of you and belittle you in front of everybody. I wouldn't pay good money, amen, to go hear somebody make fun of what God has done for me. I don't care how good they can sing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Amen. I, I get calls, uh, amen, every now and then from this group and that group that wants to come by and bless my church. Amen. I'm not going to have them come by and bless my church. A anointed preacher is going to do a lot more good than somebody getting up there and singing pretty. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then they even have their joint singings with Trinitarian groups. One God people and Trinitarian groups on the same platform. Yeah, they're just reaching out to them. They're just reaching out to them. I'll tell you what's happening. There's a lot of confusion in people's minds. Amen. I, I, I have not gone to very many in my life. I'm, in fact, you can count them on the fingers of my hand, and most of those is just because I was with somebody. But I went deliberately some years ago, and if I'm repeating myself, if I said this before, amen, I, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not really sorry. Amen. But I went, and it was a, it was a, a Pentecostal group singing, in fact, a, a, a Bible school choir. And I thought, well, I'm safe. I'm safe. I'll go listen to these folks sing. And the congregation was predominantly Pentecostal. I'd say 90% Pentecostal. And during the little intermission, amen, the local assembly of God pastor was invited to come up and address the audience from the pulpit. And he started talking, amen, and he said, the walls are coming down in southeast Louisiana, and God is uniting people of all faiths, and he's bringing the Baptists together, and the Presbyterians together, and the Methodists together, and the Pentecostals together, and the Catholics together. You would have thought that that bunch of 
predominantly Pentecostal people would have sat on that guy. They jumped up and shouted. And cold chills went up and down my spine. And I thought, no wonder folks are confused about what, whether you really got to be baptized in Jesus' name, have the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, and live a holy and separated life. When they see their pastors up there hugging on those guys and calling their brother, amen, I, I don't hate them, but they don't have our identity unless they have the same father and the same mother. You've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. You've got to come in by Acts 2.38. In fact, this is just the way I believe it. Of course, I don't have a big church, so maybe it doesn't matter that much for me. Amen. But until they have the Holy Ghost, amen, baptized in Jesus' name, they're not going to sing in the choir. They're not going to play music. They're not going to do anything else. Because I want them to know you've got to have the right identity to involve yourself in this. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this place? I believe God wants a clean church. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. These these hybrids and half-breeds, amen, they aren't even sure where their allegiance lies. And, and please don't misunderstand that statement, amen, because I don't mean that in a racial sense. Amen. I, I know there's a mixed congregation here, amen, as far as race is concerned, and I can say this before God and not for anybody else's benefit. Amen. If there is a racist bone in my body, I don't know of it. I wasn't raised around it. I didn't learn it from anybody. Amen. Until I came to America. And so I don't feel that way. And I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual hybrids. Hybrids and half-breeds. Amen. They don't know where their allegiance lies. They're being torn between two lovers. And they don't just feel like a fool. They look like fools. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, help me today. I, I want to have revival, you hear me? I want to have a move of God. I want to have growth. I want to have it. I really want to have it because there's, a, there's some folks that, that would like for me to think that it can't be done anymore. And I've stuck my scrawny neck out, amen, and got swiped pretty handily a few times over it and I'd like to see God bless us just because we're trying to believe God for it amen 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 praise the Lord 
Amen. And yet I'm not that desperate, you hear me? Amen. Abraham finally lost patience. And he went in unto Hagar, and look what kind of mess has resulted. Amen. When it comes, I want it to be of God. I want it to be of the Spirit. I want it to be begotten by the Word. Let me just tell you something, honey. Amen. If somebody sung you in, they got to keep on singing to keep you in. If somebody petted you in, they got to keep petting you to keep you in. But if somebody preached you in, all they got to do to keep you in is keep on preaching. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Uh, you can be seated. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to hurry. Praise the Lord. And so here these folks were. They could not, they could not show their lineage. They couldn't show their genealogy. And man, it was a bad position for them to be in. And I, I think that, you know, they really wanted to be. After all, they came out, but they could not show. So they were set apart until somebody could prove whether they were or not. But that was mild compared to a crisis that arose some time later. Amen. When they came and informed Ezra. And, and this is what the Bible says that they told him. When these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites. Ammonites, Moabites, uh, the termites, and uh, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, 
so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands, yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. Amen. Here's where it might get a little rocky, but that's all right. Been there, done that, got several t-shirts. Praise the Lord. Amen. But let me tell you something. I am surrounded in my area. I am surrounded by Pentecostal churches. Now that ought to be a good thing. Literally, it it is virtually hard to spit out the window without hitting the Pentecostal. They're everywhere. They're in the grocery stores. They're everywhere. Every brand, every flavor, every type you can imagine is there. Some in the organization, some out of the organization, some I don't know what they are. But they're all over there. You know what? It's a tragedy. It really is. Why shouldn't we just be able to fellowship all of them? They're Pentecostals. We ought to just have this big love feast going on all the time. Every time we see each other, we ought to just be able to say, Praise the Lord, brother, sister, and hug, hug, smooch, smooch. At least uh, the right ones, you understand. Amen. And there ought to be this love feast going on. Instead, you've got to just... And, you know, it's not a matter of just being unkind and cruel. I'll tell you something. I, there are some restaurants in town that on Sunday nights have just about put off limits because other Pentecostal young people flood in there after church. And Brother White, they look like anything but. Necklines so low you're ashamed to look in their direction. Short sleeves way up to here, in some cases no sleeves. Hair cut across the bottom. Amen. Makeup and jewelry in varying degrees. And there they are and they see young, your young people and they come over and they just start interacting. Young people like other young people. And I hate to be so harsh and judgmental and unkind. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Brother Terry, I wish it was... It was so simple just to be able to say along organizational boundaries. You would be able to know who was in the truth and who wasn't. But it's not that clear anymore. You can't even just say, amen, whether they're Pentecostal or not. Say, well, they won't affect your young people. That's what you think. They do affect them. When they get around saying, you mean you don't do that? You mean you can't go there? You mean you can't wear this? Amen. Your pastor is stuck in some Jurassic age somewhere. Why don't you come on over to our church? It's booming. Maybe you don't have that problem, but we got it. We got it. There's an identity problem there, my friend. And yet, in spite of all of that, when I look at them, I don't get mad at them so much. It makes me mad at the ministry. What are they preaching? What are they saying? Skirts split all the way up to Hikamoshai. Let me tell you something. That's a no-brainer. You don't even have to think about that one. 
I mean, there might be some things we wrestle with, but to me, a split skirt is a no-brainer. I'm not trying to be cocky and arrogant. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. Amen. I'm telling you today, I, I agonize over things. I really do. Amen. When I take certain stands and draw certain lines in my church, I suffer over them, Brother Dudley. Amen. I preach them and I hurt while I'm preaching them. And I go home and lay on my bed and I second-guess myself. And I struggle and wrestle. I wish I had the poise and the confidence of some man that I've seen. And I admire, amen, how they're just able to do it. And it just seems like it's so easy for them. I agonize, I struggle, I suffer because I know that the decisions I make and the lines I draw may make the difference in who is in or out. People's lives are in the balance. I hope you'll just help me here a little bit. But when it comes to something like split skirts, that's a no-brainer. I mean, what do you have to analyze? When a woman walks and her leg bears as she walks, you can't figure out if that's holiness or not. As far as I'm concerned, a woman's dress or skirt is only as short as the split. It's only as long as the split. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's starting to feel a little... I believe you all believe that. Amen. Some of us, Brother McMullen, might get our head chopped off for saying that. But it's so anyhow. I said it's so anyhow. Everybody ought to say amen. It's so anyhow. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. And they come waltzing around. Now, you know, these parasites that I read about, Way back in the book of Judges, God told his people not to have anything to do with them. And yet, every time you turn around, they were a snare to God's people. Amen. They were the ones that turned Solomon's heart away until he erected an altar to Molech. I taught on this all summer long in my church. It's still fresh in my mind. I guess I should apologize for that. I can't help it. Amen. He erected an altar to Molech that stood for 300 years. Molech was the most hated of all the pagan idols in that area because that was the pagan god that required the sacrifice of their sons and daughters. And Solomon erected an altar to Molech in Jerusalem that stood for 300 years until it became a snare to them and they offered their sons and daughters to Molech and caused them to pass through the fire? What in the world could turn his head that much 
could cause him to succumb to that degree? What was it about these people? Why is it that here comes this remnant back out of Babylon after God has been so gracious to them? And there they are. And the next thing you know, they're marrying those parasites again. What was the attraction? You hearing me today? Let me tell you what the attraction was. It is very simple. They were just simply more attractive. You read about those nations. Part of their idolatry, amen, their idol worship involved painting themselves up, dressing seductively, bearing the thigh, putting on their jewelry. I mean, those parasite girls, they had the walk, you hear me? They knew how to waddle. They knew how to look. They knew how to gaze into your eyes. Amen. Seduction was their game. That's what they were all about. They knew just how to put the paint on and the jewelry on to make it look attractive. And when those girls walked by, those Israelite men, they just went, Would you get a load of that? Or is this too plain for you? Let me just put it in language you can understand. Those little one God girls could not compete with the Spice Girls. Amen. Praise the Lord. And they were just so plain. And so simple. Remember, this remnant came out of Babylon. They were virtual slaves. Amen. They didn't have the real nice clothes on. Amen. What they had on was probably just rags. And they looked pathetic alongside in terms of outward beauty and adornment. Alongside those idolatrous girls. Y'all let me preach here a little bit. And you know what part of the snare was? Part of the snare was that the Israelite women and girls ended up doing that way in order to compete with them and win back the hearts of their men. I'm going to tell you something. Holiness, amen, was not such a big issue years ago, amen, when our churches were on the other side of the track, so to speak. And we worshipped in little clapboard buildings and nobody had very much money. And when ladies had maybe one or two dresses, they were washed out over and over to come to church. And they were plain dressed. Amen. It wasn't hard to be holy. But now that we've got plastic money, and we can go to Dillard's and all these other stores and buy designer clothing, we can come in spruced up, brother. And we're intimidated by this world whether we want to admit it or not. And some ladies feel so plain and so ugly and so unadorned alongside those idolatrous people. Amen. Let me tell you, man, you ought to take pressure off of your wives and let them know you think they're beautiful the way they are. And you young men, don't look for some little old hussy that comes swashing in. Amen. Knows how to flutter her eyelids. You fall in love with an apostolic girl that knows how to pray around an altar and worship God. 
and obey the man of God. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I'm trying to hurry. Ezra heard this news. He said, well, you know, you've got to face reality. That's where we are. After all, it's the 90s. We'll just do our best. That's all. No, he sat down. Astonished. For hours. Astonished plucked out his hair. Some of us look like we've been doing that, doesn't it? Plucked out his hair and sat astonished for hours. All the people gathered around, they're all looking at him. He's just staring off into space. And finally the folks become ashamed of themselves and they start to weep and cry. And when Ezra gets his composure and begins to pray, he says to God, I am ashamed. I, I blush, I am ashamed to even have to talk to you about this. Because for this, we went into captivity. And now for just a little space, mercy was shown and you gave us a nail in your holy place. Just a nail to hang on to. You bring us back. And now here we are doing again what our fathers were judged for. Praise the Lord. It's time for some folks to start blushing, being ashamed, crying. Why isn't anybody ashamed when this stuff invades our conferences? Why isn't anybody blushing, amen, when there's low necklines all across the congregation and you can't hardly look out there? And I'm not talking about sinners either. Went to a funeral the other day and I was amazed how many young preachers were there with their sideburns all the way down to their earlobes. Preachers that are going to be preaching to Pentecostal young people and setting the standard for them. I think it's sick. Somebody ought to take them aside and say, Hey you, this is a holiness church. This is an apostolic group. I'm going to tell you, they won't be preaching in my pulpit. I'm sorry, but they're just not going to. They don't need to teach my young people that. My young folks are not perfect, but they sure don't need that kind of encouragement. Make a long story short, amen, one of our young men kind of uh, got a little thing going, a little romance going with this girl he'd been seeing at a restaurant from one of these other churches. Amen. Boy, he fell hard. He fell hard. And I started dealing with it. And, and taking a stand. Oh, boy, he cried and boohooed. Amen. I said, and he said, what, what's wrong with it if, if she'll be coming to our church and doing what we do? I said, how do you know that she's going to change? Because it's in her heart, not just for you. And if she doesn't change because it's in her heart, she's going to spread that in our church. And I said, furthermore, if I say it's okay for one of our young men to drag one of the girls out of that church, what's to stop one of their boys from coming and taking one of our girls back? And how am I going to feel when I see them with rings on their fingers and hair trimmed 
and all the other jazz. How am I going to feel then? I hate it. I hate, amen, restricting, having to restrict my young people, amen, from other Pentecostal fellowship. I hate it! Here's the irony of it. She'd come around long enough to see what we did. And she said the other day, she said, after hearing, she visited our church a time or two, and she said, after hearing your pastor preach and seeing the way you folks do it, she said, I wore a dress to church the other night that I wear all the time, and I felt condemned. And she said, I went to conference the other day, and I was shocked by what I saw. You know what that tells me? They'll live it if somebody will just preach it. Oh yeah. If somebody will just preach it. Amen. Lift your hands and love him one more time. I'm going to hurry and close here today. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't you just stand with me? Just stand with me and lift your hands and love God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know what the devil is going to challenge you on? more often than anything else. And I have Bible for this. He's going to challenge your identity. Say, why you say that? When he came to Jesus, he said, if thou be. If thou be. Just trying to plant the seed of doubt. Are you really? Are you really? Is that so? You know that when you first got the Holy Ghost, first thing that happened... A day or two later, devil trotted up and said, Did you really get it? It challenged your identity. And if he'd do it over Acts 2.38, he'll do it in every other way. What makes you think you're so right? Amen. You better have this settled in your mind. Or there may come a day, as it has happened to so many others, when you can sit in a Laodicean church or a charismatic church and feel right at home. You better settle this identity issue and settle it now. And be able to stand flat-footed and say to the devil, I remember when I got under conviction. And I remember when I went to the altar and I prayed through and I remember when I got baptized in Jesus' name. And I remember when I got the Holy Ghost just like the Bible says. And everything else I'm doing, I'm doing it because the Bible says it. Because it's right. So just get away from me, you filthy devil. And take your doctrine to somebody else. 
Amen. I'm going to close with this scripture. I'm going to close with this scripture. It's part of our security today. It's a scripture we quote often, but usually just in part. The foundation of God standeth sure. The brother Matt Mullen, it has a seal on it. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And along with that comes a responsibility because it says then, and, and. You can't separate this from the fore part of the scripture. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Aren't you glad God brought you out? Aren't you glad for your identity? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Praise Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm glad I'm who I am. I know I, I am who I am by the grace of God, but I'm glad I'm who I am. Thank God. Amen. Most children know who, most children know, I start to say who their father is, uh, not always so anymore, but uh, most children at least know what their father's name is. Amen. And uh, if uh, 